hopefully we'll get into a little bit more of it with y'all uh, in the youth group. We're memorizing the books of the Bible along with uh, the children's church is actually doing it too. Titus has got the whole Old Testament memorized and he is, uh, that's right. I got your gift card right here, buddy. You want it, you can come get it. Oh, yeah. Once he, uh, once he gets the New Testament memorized, he's going to come up here and, and uh, do, spout them all off for y'all, and he'll get a special prize for doing that. So it's going to be awesome. Welcome, y'all. Welcome. Come on in. <laughs> Cherie's not here this week, so... We're missing like uh, 80% of our youth group because she buses. She is the bus ministry. And pretty soon she's going to get like a little trailer and hook it to the back and just tell them, don't make any noise. She's going to be like a coyote smuggler for uh, people coming across the border. <laughs> Listen, I'm getting pulled over, code red. <laughs> don't say nothing. <laughs> but um, she's awesome. And uh, all the kids that she bring are a huge blessing to the youth group. It's, it's nice having them with us. Um, so something that's been working in my heart when, uh, when pastor asked me to talk, um, this thing feels weird, like it keeps hitting the top back of my collar, but I hate mics because I, I kind of have like a, you know, a shaky hand. And, uh, so the longer I hold it, it starts doing this. And then people are like, oh, Jesus, he's touching him. He's touching them, Lord. It's like, stop moving. So it's, it's a little irritating holding a mic for more than like a couple minutes. <laughs> uh, same thing whenever I get to go to the gym. Afterwards, it's like in my car trying to shift through the gears. Well, it's funny, um, but it's been that. I've had it my whole life. I'm still trusting God to be rid of it, but thankfully it doesn't really mean nothing. Um, I used to be paranoid about it, and I went to a neurologist, and they're like, oh, it's called an essential tremor. It's like 25% of the population. I'm like, oh, I don't have Parkinson's at 20 years old. <laughs> so that was good to know. <laughs> um, awesome. So something that's been stirring in my heart is to talk about posturing to receive from Jesus, posturing to receive from the Holy Ghost, um, posturing ourselves uh, with the things that we need to do uh, in order to receive when we come to church, too. Um, it really affects everything, but it's something that really, um, I felt like he was talking to me in regard to, you know, coming to church, and it's affected, I, I think I heard Pastor mention it one time, a long time ago, he said, um, oh, and Ayla, man, your word was awesome on Sunday. You did such a good job, and it was, it was cool, some awesome stuff there. Um, but something he said is, you know, when you come, when you come to church, you should be sitting on the edge of your seat. You know, I think they obviously meant that metaphorically, but, um, something I've been trying to do is, uh, change how I sit in the chair, which is really, really hard. Um, because you know, you're comfortable how you're comfortable, but sometimes you develop an attitude, uh, in that comfort, like here to, here to receive from God. You know, what do you got? Where's my popcorn, got my drink, and everything's relaxed, and sometimes we develop an attitude that, you know, we're here for entertainment, you know, I got the arm around the wife, and sitting here, my phone in my pocket, and, um, and so something I've been doing just to change that so that I'm in a place to receive from him is, I like to sit with my legs crossed, you know, it's just my natural position, and I kick that off, and I've been trying to sit on the edge of my chair, and I constantly have to fix it, because I'll go right back to my, what's comfortable, because it's not comfortable for me to sit, sit upright for an hour and a half or two hours, um, but I've been trying to do that just in order to, um, to focus my mind and my body and my spirit that I'm here to learn and to grow and not to show up because, you know, we're at church and this is what we do. We're Christians, so we go to church, and we're here to go to church because that's what we do. But, you know, we're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're not just here because, um, you know, we're knocking off a, something on the checklist to do. And I know none of us really think of it that way, but I think sometimes, um, I heard someone say one time, you, won't, you don't believe what you say you believe. You believe what you act out. Amen. You know, you, you believe what, I believe this chair will hold me up, so I sit in it. 
Now, if I just walk around and I say, that chair is a good chair and it'll hold me up and blah, 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 you know, and it's a good chair, but I'll never sit in it, I really don't believe it's going to hold me up. I'm just talking a bunch of game. And so um, my, my hope is to make sure, and pastor says this all the time too, hey, brother Michael, man, sure is good to see you, brother. So nice of you to show up 13 minutes late. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He knows that. He knows. I'm just messing with Michael. I'm sure Michael's out hustling and building this, building his business or working hard and doing the will of God. Um, probably reading his Bible. In the, he's having a moment with God out in the parking lot, just didn't want to break it up. Um, but appreciate Michael. He's awesome. Um, so praise God. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, posturing ourselves to receive from God, putting ourselves in the right uh, uh, frame of mind, um, and doing the right things. And um, we might only get through one bullet point today. I hope that that's true. Um, but um, we're going to talk about showing up and probably if we get into prepare, prepare. But uh, the three things that I felt like God was saying in regard to um, posturing ourselves is, you know, you've got to show up, you've got to prepare to receive from God, and you've got to choose to engage on that preparation. Um, so we're going to start with uh, showing up. Showing up is 90% of the battle on just about anything. Um, I, I, my dad never told me this uh, advice, but I've heard it from a friend at some point, and he said that, you know, and I've, and I've heard it multiple times since then, uh, you'll hear old uh, hard work ethic type dads will tell their kid, 90% uh, of the job is showing up. Um, other people might not even show up. They might not show up on time. You know, it's just people going out and getting their first job, show up to jack in the box, you know, and you don't want your kid to have a teenager attitude because the whole idea isn't for them to acquire an extra 150 bucks a week. It's to, for them to develop as a, as a young person, develop a good work ethic, um, and it's a great place to do it because you're obviously not getting paid that much. So uh, it, uh, it's a great place to develop a work ethic that is separated from how much you're being compensated. Um, and uh, something that, um, something that uh, you have to do whenever it comes to receiving from God, and it sounds like a silly thing, but you have to show up. You've got to show up to church. You've got to um, show up in your prayer times. You have to show up in the car when you have a moment to pray because most of us are super, super busy people. Um, Joe's in the reserves. I'm in the reserves. Brandon's in the reserves. I think half our church is in the reserves. Um, we should have like a recruiting branch here. <laughs> we got Jasmine. Um, who, is there anyone? It's just me, you, Jasmine, Brandon. We used to have more. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, we, we're, we're, all, we're all busy, busy people. Uh, and, and even in the reserves, that's where I was going. I apologize. Um, you know, Brandon, are you an officer? I thought so. Um, you do not get compensated uh, enough for what they ask you to do. Uh, you know, in your regular job, they're like, all right, I want you to get this done, and then when you're done, leave, you clock out. Well, in the reserves, they're like, here's your drill pay. This is what you need to get done, and, you know, that's what home is for. You can get it done during, during the month, especially if you're an officer, because there's really no one else to, um, to push it off to, or you're not low enough on the totem pole anymore to be like, well, you know, give me more time. Give me an RMP day. Uh, bring me in on a, a weekday or something like that. I just don't care. I mean, you can say the excuses, and they'll probably be listened to, but it's going to prevent you from being promoted through the ranks. Um, you have a valid excuse to say that I should get paid for the work that I do, but, um, you know, you can talk about it, or you can get promoted, or, you know, work ethic. Uh, it, it shines through, especially in the reservists, because uh, once you get into a supervisory position, pretty much, at least on the Air Force side, uh, staff or above really depends on the shop you're in. If you're a shop that's loaded up with plenty of NCOs, then not so much. Um, but if you're uh, if you're an NCO and you're the only person in your shop, you're responsible for the training and all the different responsibilities, and you've got to come in on your own time. You've got to log in at home um, to take care of that. You've got to you've got to show up. You've got to have a work ethic. Um, 
And uh, so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I'm going to go there as well. I kind of miss uh, old paper Bibles, although I don't miss the uh, space that they took up. But I like the flipping through the pages. With the youth, we're doing like competitions with the verses at the beginning. We talk, we uh, we have them search through the verses as fast as they can, and whoever wins gets candy and stuff. So, it's pretty fun. Um, it's funny how how much they enjoy doing it too. Uh, we were talking about in the beginning, you know, if you're talking about God, they're just gonna you know zone you out. But the minute it's a competition, you know, they're like, where where's this concordance? Where where do I look this table of contents up? It's awesome tearing those pages up. One guy told me last week, he's like, I can't read. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I saw him flipping those pages. I'm like, you just did. now that you can get some candy for it, you, you can read. <laughs> you never want to be like, you're lying to me. Everyone can read. And then he's that one person. You're like, man, I feel like a jerk. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18 um, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And that's reading out of the English Standard Version. Um, so, so we get transformed uh, into the same image of Jesus Christ from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. And the only way that that happens is if we show up. Um, I look at it kind of like sales. Michael's in sales. Eric's in sales. I had a brief stint in sales. I hated cold calling people. That no, not really cold calling people. I don't mind that so much as uh, talking to people I know about things that they probably do or don't want to buy. Um, so I didn't like that part. But from what from the time that I spent in the training, and I know I've heard Michael and Eric talk about. It. I've heard them. I heard Eric on his Facebook page when he's looking for some people to join him. Um, it's all a sales game. Everything's about numbers. It's about how many people, even with the leads that they get, that the, the business brings in. It's about how many people hear their name, how many people um, see their billboards, and those interactions over time, eventually something happens with their roof, a hailstorm comes in, and they want the first name that they think of to be Salazar. And in, then those leads flood in, and they go talk to those people. Um, and then uh, out of those leads that come in, they're going to expect, even with a new salesman, to turn out so many sales. Does that sound about right, Michael? Like, I gave you five leads, and you came back with nothing. That cost us X amount of dollars for those leads. Why, yeah, what are, you, what are you doing with my money, right? Yeah, and those are good leads because, I mean, they're not just calling up people in a phone book saying, y'all need a roof, y'all need a roof, y'all need a roof. That's the marketing jobs to bring those leads in. Those person doesn't turn those leads into dollars. They're wasting, wasting a lot of money. Um, and in the same time, when it comes to showing up, every time that we show up with the Holy Spirit, that's our opportunity to put those numbers on the board. Um, in basketball, how many, everyone, with basketball, everyone's got a percentage, you know? I don't know, I'm not real good with sports when it comes to that, that degree. I know some people know everyone's stats, you know, at least the players on their team. Some people know stats of players that aren't even on their team. And uh, that's always amazing, of uh, the amount of useless knowledge, in my perspective, <laughs> that people acquire. I'm like, you know, it's not even on your team. How are you fasting? How, how do you have enough time in a day to watch enough basketball games to know these players? I understand your team, but to know them, and you're like, oh, we're going to get this guy on a trade? I'm like, who is that guy? I don't even know who that is. It's crazy. But um, w coaches... Definitely watch the percentages of those players, right? That player puts up X amount of balls, and of those balls they put up, uh, X amount get through the basket. And they know their percentage, whether, I don't know what a good percentage is, so whether, I know no one's 100%. Um, on the best players are probably lucky to shoot like 80, I'm guessing, but I don't know. Lewis might know that. 30% is a good player? And that, that's like a Stephen Curry, or Stephen Curry, whatever his name is? What's that? 37 percent. You know, if that was a, if that was like a grade, that'd be like an F, right? 
That's like an F. I'm like, I put up 37%. Yeah, right. You guys saw me. Some of y'all saw me at the last time we played basketball at the hangar. Roll my ankle. I'm like, I'm going to need a medic. <laughs> yeah, I used to play real aggressive. And then I started rolling my ankles. And man, it's like jelly under there. But you know what? Those basketball players, you, you know your percentage. You know whether you're a 10%er or a 15%er or a 37%er and you're getting the millions of dollars. But if you're a 37%er and you're in the top of the league and everybody wants you, but you don't put the ball up, you don't make, you don't make scores. Um, it, and, and so I liken that to, to receiving from the Holy Spirit. If you, if you want to receive from the Holy Spirit, you want to have a moment in God and you don't know when that moment's going to be, then you've got to, put, you've got to put the ball up. You don't know what ball is going to hit that three-pointer. You don't know which one is going to win the game. But you've got to keep putting the ball up. And sometimes we get discouraged. We get discouraged when we put the ball up and we don't feel like uh, we see what we're looking to see. And I told the kids this, and I'm kind of glad that uh, one of the girls that was with us last week um, I shared the same story in a different message for a different reason. And she's like, you shared that story already. <laughs> and I'm like, clearly never heard Pastor Zig preach. It's a lot of, a lot of stories used, used for different purposes. I'm like, I'm working with what I got. Shut up. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say it. She's a real sweet girl. It was just funny. Um, but Pastor Zig shared the story of, you know, when he was a kid, he would, he would uh, pray so much that he'd wear the carpet out. He's like, yeah, you can call my, my, my uh, stepmom, my dad. You can ask him. They had to change the carpet several times because he'd be rocking back and forth. I'm like, he would be praying for 12 hours a day. And, and I was like, I'm not encouraging you that you have to pray 12 hours a day, although obviously it would be good for you. Um, it would be good for all of us to pray 12 hours a day. But he was taking advantage of an opportunity he had at that age because he was saved in such a dramatic way that uh, he, he, he was very hungry to, to get after it, and he had the time to do it. And then, especially when he, um, he retired from school, um, <laughs> um, then he had even more time, and he took advantage of it. He was hungry. And uh, he went after it. But how many hours went into him going back and forth, rubbing out that carpet before he walks in the door and the door shuts slowly and then all of a sudden the, the ceiling turns into a TV and, you know, God shows him that he's going to spread him like butter all, you know, all across this nation and spread revival fire all across this nation. You know, how many hours were put in? A ton. And he didn't know the moment that he was going to get it. He had to keep his eye on the prize. For him, I believe that, I mean, the eye on the prize was developing a relationship with God. He wasn't chasing after moment to moment. I think that's a part of it. Um, but as far as encouraging people who might not have as much time and, you know, time sensitive and, um, you know, different personalities, and I've definitely struggled with this in the past, uh, feeling like, eh, I'm not getting what I, what I expect to get out of it. And then you, you know, you become lazy. Um, but in reality, it's like, no, man, just keep pushing. Because you don't, you don't know the ball that's going to win the game. You don't know when it's going to happen. And, and all that time obviously isn't wasted. Um, but uh, you, you've got to keep chasing after God. You've got to keep showing up. We're talking about showing up. Uh, in order to experience God in those ways. And if we don't do that, we're, we're taking away our own opportunity. And the funny thing is, is, you know, I love this example that pastors used before. Whenever we have a bad attitude about anything, it always comes back to a word deficiency, just like a vitamin deficiency. You're sick in your, in your natural body, uh, and you go to the doctor, a lot of times, depending on what it is, they'll say, uh, let me do a blood draw on you. We're going to check your vitamins, see where you're at, and see if there's something that's just a, an easy correction. You know, we need certain vitamins for our body to metabolize and to, to carry out certain functions, and we need the word in our life for our spirit to become, to, to maintain the dominant force in our life. Uh, if, if the word isn't coming in in the proper amount, then we're not going to be healthy. In the same way that, uh, you know, you go, on a, you go on a fast for a couple days, you know, there's some spiritual benefit. You go on a fast for 
A month, you're like, all right, cool, man. You go on a fast for three months, let's get you to a hospital. It's called an eating disorder. <laughs> you know? Um, so why people, why people don't show up? Uh, <clears throat> I think sometimes that they, they develop a guilty conscience, whether it's about something that they've done, whether it's something they're doing, whether it's something that they're not doing, you know, whether it's like, man, I haven't read my Bible, and now we're here at church, and trying to press in and feeling all this kind of way or um, just their lives being uh, incongruent to what they know that they should be doing. Um, A lot of times people will feel guilty and whenever that happens, instead of running to God, they end up just kind of avoiding the subjects. It's really just like anything, anytime, uh, especially with kids, anytime there's consequences on the horizon, um, instead of just dealing with them and saying, what do we got to do to make this right? Kids will avoid you and they'll avoid eye contact and they, you know, they'll hang out at their friend's house all night because they don't want to come home because they know the report card is sitting in the mailbox and you know, consequences are coming. And instead of saying, you know what, here's the deal. How do we make this right? Can you help me uh, get better grades? Here's what's going on. Um, they just avoid, avoid managing that situation altogether. Um, and that doesn't help them. Um, but the reason, the reason that we feel guilty, and that's what I kind of I was digging into, is um, it, it, if we have a guilty conscience, it is not because God is convicting us. I've had this conversation with my brother a million times um, about how he feels about himself and blah, 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 and why he can't, you know, go to church and, and be all God wants him to be and all these things. And he's like, you don't understand, you don't understand. I hope he's not. He doesn't have the app, so he's not listening to this. And this will not be one of the messages I share with him. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, you don't know what I've done. And I'm like, Michael, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. you, don't, you don't know, what, what are you talking about, man? I'm like, you've been raised in the church, you know. And God would save Hitler. He'll save Hitler. He'll save anyone. They're on their deathbed, and they had a genuine conversion, and um, God touched them and saved them. God loves to save the worst people because that's when his uh, strength shows up the strongest. That's when his mercy does everything he was intended to do, especially. Um, But, uh, you know, we've had these conversations, and they they go nowhere. Um, But... The, the, it's all the same. You know, you don't, we, don't have, we don't experience guilt because God is saying, bad David. That's how, we, that's how we see it. We see it as, bad David, you need to do better. Bad, bad, bad. And so we're like, oh, this feels not good, so I'm going to avoid this feeling. Um, or it pushes us to not uh, to get in there because if we perceive that God's, God's dealing with us that way, then we don't want to... We don't want to engage with that feeling more. Uh, if God's mad at you, why would you go to God? Uh, but God's not mad at us. Um, he, sees, he, sees, he sees us as a reborn spirit. He paid, I told the kids this, he paid the price, and pastors talked about this in regard to supernatural increase and other things, but he, he has paid the price on everything that when we came to the cross, when we gave our life to Jesus, he paid the price on everything that we would ever do, past, present, and future. In the spirit, there's no time. Everything that we would ever do was all laid before. He took it all to the cross. And um, the only thing that we were saved of at the cross wasn't for our misdeeds, um, although God wants us to, like Pastor says, he wants us to be a Christian. Um, however, we're saved from not having Jesus in our life. That's the sin that takes us to hell. Uh, and that's the sin that uh, Jesus is, or the Holy Spirit is convicting us of in that moment is you need Jesus. Um, and sometimes we think that uh, we feel guilty and we think that it's, it's God that's making us feel this way. But he always sees us through a reborn spirit. He, he, can't, he can't do it because it would be contrary to his word to, to say anything else. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, you want to go there? I got it written down so I don't have to just take this minute to take a sip. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Man, God's awesome. Tell you what, I did not think that I'd be able to do this uh, at one point. 
Um, and it's still a struggle sometimes to get up here um, and know that God wants me to do this. But I'll tell you what, from the first time I had to get up here and do this and how hey, come on in, guess. Just grab a chair in the back with Hilda. Thanks for coming. What's up, y'all? 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So if we're born again believers, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, period. So how could he see us any other way? He can't. It'd be contrary to his word. He only sees us as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's all he sees us as. We see ourselves differently. But that's because we're acting, in out, we're acting in a way that's contrary to the word of God. And that's why we're suffering. Because we're, once again, goes back to a word deficiency. We're conducting our lives in a way that's contrary to the word of God. If we align ourselves and don't really worry about all of that other stuff. And I'm not saying, you know, go out and do whatever you want. The Lord's covered it. I'm saying if you take your mind off of the sin, you'll stop sinning. If you put your mind on God, he'll take care of all the rest. Um, someone, someone asked me one time about, you know, homosexuality and, you know, whether that was a sin and whatnot. And, um, you know, we obviously know where the word is on that, but I was like, it went back to that same thing. You know, people don't go to hell for this. They go to hell because they are without Jesus. If you discover Jesus Christ, if you are born again, if you develop a relationship with God, those things will work themselves out if you actually tuck in. If you get saved and then you go to a church that doesn't encourage you to know God and it says, you know, if you come here, you're checking off your box and you're good and you never really develop a relationship that's genuine, that's, uh, I'm looking into the word as a mirror so that I can see myself fully, so that I can see how the word describes me. And then I can say, well, what, what are you trying to etch off, God? What are you trying to change? What are you trying to mold me into? Um, you know, obviously the image of Christ. And what does that look like? How do I need to change in order to facilitate that? Um, if you're doing those things, everything else takes care of itself. Everything else takes care of itself. Um, you will go towards the things that you focus on. Uh, we've heard pastors say that many times. And if all you focus on is how much you suck and all that you're doing that's not right, that you have no control over to change, you will have no You'll stay right there. But you are the person controlling it. You are, you are maneuvering yourself towards it by continuously focusing on it. Um, so our reborn spirit sees us through the veil of this truth. And it cannot condemn us uh, and operate under the truth that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Our born-again spirit sees us acting contrary to that truth in whatever way or area and, and calls us to live higher. That's all it's doing. It's saying, David, come up. David, come up. You're, you're, there, there, there's a higher way. And uh, the enemy comes alongside that, and he's like, you know, what does the enemy do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to pervert truth. And what did he do with Eve? He showed up and he said, well, God said this, but really here's what it meant. And, uh, and you know, and, and she took the bait. And it obviously it was Adam's fault. Um, um, and pastors talk about this before, um, but, you know, Adam didn't do a good job as the head of his home in, uh, in, in communicating fully. And, and also Eve wasn't there when God said it. Adam was. He had the revelation. Eve did not have a revelation of, of that truth. Uh, and so Satan took advantage of that. Uh, and that's, that's why, that's why uh, she, took, she took part of that and Adam didn't. Um, so why do we feel uh, guilt and shame? It's because of our unrenewed mind that yields to the temptations of the devil to keep our mind uh, in chains. Um, and it ultimately goes back to, um, you know, the word deficiency. Uh, the, the reason that God asks us to renew our mind daily is because you're going you're gonna to operate on the software that you run in your mind. Um, and a lot of us are operating Netflix software. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as, you know, binging out on shows often. Um, but if you're not putting in enough word and your spirit knows what it is, your spirit knows if you're watching too much, I'm not going to say, oh, this is how many hours you should watch Netflix every day. And once you hit that, you just time it out. You know, you know, you know, when you're watching, if God's like, Hey, you want to spend time together? And you're like, but what's going to happen next? 
Um, and I get the struggle is real, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but if that's the only software running, then you're going to, you're, you're going to, I don't want to say you're going to operate on carnal, carnal, I mean, or uh, Netflix software, but you're going to, you're going to operate on carnal things. How many of y'all have like vegged out on a show so much that when you stepped away because you had to like go to the bathroom or take a shower, you're in the shower doing your thing before you got to go to work or church or some function, and you're like, oh man, what's going to happen to him? You're like, because that's all you're running. It's like, it's, it's, it's the software running in your mind is that story. Um, and it's, it's totally normal. It's, it's not weird in any way. It is how our brains are designed to operate because God intended for us to renew our mind daily with the word of God and for that word to be operating in our mind and for that software to be controlling the actions of our lives. And, um, and so it's, it's a very important thing. And when the devil comes in, he takes advantage of that, and we don't respond with, well, how did Jesus respond when the devil tried to tempt him? He said, it is written. So many times I'll be like, man, what did the Vikings say? <laughs> you know, because that's what's going on. And we're like, oh, what was that? What was that thing? That was, there was a scripture about that one thing, and I need to know it right now. And once again, it goes into uh, showing up, putting up the balls. Putting up, the, uh, putting up what's necessary in order to hit that percentage you need. Uh, when the enemy comes, you don't know when he's coming either. We don't know when he's going to show up in the middle of the night and your kid's going to be screaming and kicking and you're not going to know why. You're going to need the, the Holy Spirit. You need, uh, you need the Word of God operating in the background so at 2.30 in the morning, it's like, this is what you do. And if it's, if it's not, it's not a condemnation, but it's something that... Um, you've got to recognize it like, man, it's not just me. It's my kids, you know. I mean, it's not, I'm not taking all this risk by, you know, slacking on this a little bit over here or not putting in quite as much as I should, you know. Um, and once again, it's not meant to condemn. It's meant to, you know, if you feel this, convi- this, uh, this in your spirit, come, to come higher, it's to challenge. I'm challenged by it. I love Netflix. I, I don't love Netflix, Jesus. <laughs> I know what my wife's thinking. She's like, you'll have what you say. <laughs> She's right. Lula is very good, very good about putting the word in. She's awesome. Lula's got Gloria Copeland running all the time, all the time, all the time. She's vacuuming. Gloria's in the background. Um, it's because what we believe about ourselves steers the rudder of our lives. And when, when um, you know, it even goes out to crazy stuff, but, you know, some people are watching real crazy stuff on Netflix or on TV or whatever. And, you know, like Hilda, when I met her, she used to watch, great, was Grey's Anatomy, baby? Grey's Anatomy. Man, I hated that show. Hmm. What a waste of someone's career. <laughs> right along with uh, uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I just burn every copy. Man, I hate that movie. Hilda says she doesn't like it either, but she did watch it with her friends when we were dating, and I was kicked out of the room because I would not stop talking about how much this movie sucked. <laughs> um, but you know what? When you think on drama shows all the time, you get drama in your life because that's the software that's running in the background, and it steers your life towards drama. And all of a sudden, you find it, and it's, I don't understand why these people don't like me. Why, why all these things are happening to me, Lord Jesus? And you're like, you may think you're the sweetest little thing in the world, but you're putting drama software in your brain. God, God, of course God made you sweet. God made everyone to, 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 to um, I don't want to say be sweet, but to uh, live, in, live in love and peace and joy and um, long-suffering, you know? But we don't, we don't get those things naturally. You got to get them by renewing your mind in the word. Your mind's not renewed. You're going to operate on whatever you put in. And um, we need to control the, the software of our lives. Uh, Matthew 12, 34, 37. <laughs> Hilda just got her uh, 23andMe back. She's 3% African. How you doing, baby? <laughs> Uh, 
So, sister. She got a good one, man. Mine came back like 93% European. I'm like, who to thunk? <laughs> paid, uh, paid $100 for them to tell me I'm white. Matthew 12, 34, uh, you brood of vipers, this is in the English standard, uh, we're not doing the amplified right now because we want to get home on time, uh, <laughs> how can you speak good when you are evil? For you out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. That's not good for me. <laughs> but, um, but that's extremely important, right? Every, every word that comes out of our mouth and what controls the words that come out of our mouth, it's the software we put in. Um, and so many of us are, are bringing out, I don't want to say out of the evil treasures of your heart because we're, we're born again, but we we can choose to allow our spirit or our flesh to dominate, and it's purely based on the decisions we make. Um, and if all we deposit are negative things, we're going to get negative out. If that's what's coming out, it's because that's what's being put in. It's every time. The Bible says it's a principle. Um, we don't have to wonder, oh, why did I say that? It's, even if you would only talk about that way towards one person who's got a special place in your heart right at the bottom, uh, it's because... <laughs> That person you've allowed to grab a place in you and put something there that wasn't of God. He's called us to be forgivers. He's called us to give, forgive seven times 70. I told Hilda one time I did something, and I think I procrastinated on something real bad. And, um, and, or I said something, and I didn't realize it was rude or something, and she told me that she didn't like it or she wanted me not to do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah forgive me 70 times 70 every day. And she does. She's good to me. Hilda's awesome. Tell you what, I'm spoiled big time. I've got an amazing wife. Um, so what we put in is what we get out. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. And I know we've said this, but we're going to continue to back it up with the word. The kids had a hard time with Galatians. They're like, how do you spell that? That's a weird one. <laughs> do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal life. Goes right back to the same thing. It's a principle. God is not mocked. Whatsoever we sow, in whatever area, in whatever thing, that will we also reap. We need to sow good seeds towards, uh, towards our mind uh, so that it can bear, bring forth a good fruit. Uh, and our next scripture is Proverbs. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Um, pastors talk about this scripture in a bunch of different contexts, but um, yeah, uh, Proverbs 18.20, 18.20. I know pastors share this scripture in a supernatural increase uh, uh, perspective where he's, you know, Basically, you know, what you're, what you're benefiting from, what you're eating, what's satisfying, what's making your life is the words that are coming out of your mouth. And, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, my family was broke. I'll be broke. You know, this and that and the other. Um, and you're like, yeah, change the words coming out of your mouth. Um, and sometimes the past, especially if it's our past, I mean, for me, I don't care what my parents lived. But, you know, sometimes we've walked some stuff and we've tried to put our own efforts in a direction and it's been more difficult than we figured it would be. And then 
from that life experience and really from that carnal experience because it has to do with this natural world, we've determined what our life can be in the future. And the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. Um, the Bible tells us that a man uh, will be satisfied by the, by the words of his lips. And um, so no matter how many years it is, uh, the Bible didn't say after so much time you can stop believing this word. Um, we always have to go back to it and say, you know, what am I, what am I not getting right here? What's not right in the heart? Um, you know, uh, I know people that believe supernatural increase uh, that haven't seen the, um, the fruit that they believe that, that is uh, lined up with how much they've given in the past over years and years and years. Um, and, you know, you can, you can go and say, well, this doesn't work because, look, I did it. But uh, it's like, well, did you? I mean, you did this component of it, but did you have your heart right? Were you trying to work a formula? Were you chasing the, the gift over the giver? You know, what's going on? God's word's always right. It's always right, 100% of the time. The Bible says, let, let God be true and every man be a liar. Um, that means no matter how I feel, no matter, you know, it, our society is so stupid right now. My truth, this is my truth. No, there is no your truth. Your, your truth is which pizza you prefer. Not, not how the world was framed and the principles that could change your life. Your truth is the Bible. As soon as we became born-again believers, we committed to live our lives according to his word. And his word says, you're a liar and I'm not. But you know like him, not me. <laughs> um, and and we've, got to, we've got to continue in that. We've got to remind ourselves. Me and Joe, we got a buddy uh, named John Manis. And he's an awesome dude. He's not going to listen to this, he's, is he? He doesn't listen to it. Do you share? Are you? Well, that's not fair. You got to cut this part out, I guess. But no, I don't want you to. Because I always get annoyed when pastor does that. And I, did, I was back helping the youth. I'm like, mm, 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 mm. welcome to spirit. Welcome to spirit. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, he came back from going to ORU. He went to ORU for a time. And he came back for Christmas break. And I didn't know this is like the first or second year. Is once he got into theology classes. And sometimes those theology classes are meant to like challenge you big time. And they dig into you know, the evidence, not just, hey, here's the Bible, here's what it says, here's what you should believe. That's more like Kenneth Hagin, which I personally probably more lean towards. But even ORU is, you know, a nationally accredited university, and I can't sit with the professors. I don't know what they were teaching, but going off of what he said, it's like he didn't even know if he believed in God after these theology classes. And this is a, this is a church founded by Oral Roberts, or a university founded by Oral Roberts. And I'm like, man, what are they doing in there? Uh, but, you know, we were talking about that, and we're like, you know what? What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe yourself? Are you going to believe your own thoughts on this thing? Or are you going to believe God? And you say, Lord, this is what they're saying. How do I cross that? Is, are they missing something? Uh, am I understanding this wrong? Is there a piece of the puzzle that is uh, missing that I'm not able to put the whole thing together? And if I had this piece, then it would all make sense. And without it, um, everything seems like it's, it's fighting each other. And you know, we know as believers that, that that's 100% what's going on. You know, when an atheist comes up to you or you see them on TV in some debate, they're arguing about what they think the fact is, and you're like, well, you have a piece. You're looking through a mirror or a glass darkly. You, you don't have the whole thing. I may not even have the whole thing, um, but I know he does, and that's enough. And, and so we've got to maintain that God's word is true and everything that lies, everything that says anything contrary to God's word is not true. Whether that's, you know what, you just, you just don't get in the spirit as good as others. There's just not much of a reason for you to try. Or, um, you know what, you've been doing this supernatural increase thing a good amount of time. Why don't you just ride this walk out? Just, you know, love Jesus, but just take it back. Take it easy. You're, it's just not going to work out for you. You know, we've got to respond to those things with the word every single time. Sickness and disease. There's people who have struggled with sickness and disease in their body uh, and haven't felt like they've gotten on the other side of certain things. Um, and I say, Carolyn, 
Carolyn's beating this thing, pushing it back, pushing it back constantly. The amount of time she goes to the hospital is always getting wider and wider, and she's beating it, beating it, beating it, beating it all the time. But man, I have so much respect for Carolyn. She'll never drop the ball. And I don't know what battles she's got to go through in her mind when no one's looking, when it's just her and God. Um, but the only thing that matters is, is, you know, showing up. At the end of the day, we're not responsible for struggling in a different area. We're responsible for, you know, did you, did you cling to the anchor of God's word? Did you come back? Because, man, devil tempts everyone. Devil, devil, when, when uh, me and Hilda were waiting on Amelia's conception, uh, and it was taken over a year, um, there were certainly times when it's like, well, this will be nice, though. You know, this could be nice. You know, we, we have a good thing. Um, it'll be cool, you know, waking up on Saturdays and getting to go do whatever we want to do. And, you know, there's, there's some good benefits to not having kids. Um, and it's like, no, I got a promise. I got a promise. And um, we've got we've to stand on those promises. I love that what Sister, Sister Ayla was talking about, that revelation, you know. And it doesn't matter. You know, you think the devil would know. Oh, man, they got a revelation. I'm just going to go away. But they've got, they've got the title deed sitting in their spirit of what, uh, of what God promised them. I guess I'll just kick rocks. But he doesn't. <laughs> he needs some entertainment. He doesn't have Netflix. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. We, we must remember that God is a rewarder of the person that diligently seeks him. Hebrews 11.6. You know what's cool about that? You know, we could jack this thing up our whole life. I, I was talking one time, I think, with Pastor Zager with Hilda, and we are talking about supernatural increases and our frustrations with not getting over into the place that we felt like we should be. We always feel like we should be further. No one's ever like, yeah, this thing's about accurate. Maybe, maybe a few people feel that way, but I think just about everyone's like, and I was believing Jesus for a Ferrari, and I, I mean, I should be at Gallardia by now. What's going on, Lord? I mean, are you busy? Um, but we were talking to him one time, and I think you, we, we have to have the resolve that if it never happens, we stood as a testimony and a memorial to God's word. We never removed our faith. That's one thing I love about Carolyn. Carolyn is, I think the pastor said this, so I'm certainly not being unique in that sense, but Carolyn's a memorial. And uh, to, to, to be a trophy for God, you know, for God to look on you and be like, man, this girl's a trophy. She, she will not be moved. I mean, in your heart, I think, I think you've got to come to that place where that's enough. Where you, you, because because you're, we're so committed to, to the word, we're so committed to what he did for us at the cross that everything else, we're walking out because he said we should, you know, and for no other reason. Because, pastor says all the time, you know, we deserved hell. We deserve nothing but hell on a grease pole. Everything else is gravy on top. And if, if all we do in this life is bang our head on the wall trying to figure it out, but we stand as a memorial for God to say, Lord, I may be jacking this supernatural increase thing up. I don't know what I'm jacking up, but I'm, I'm open for you to share it with me. Um, but I'm not going to move off of what I believe your word says because, because I want to please you. Um, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, that's 11.6. Uh, but he, for faith, without faith is impossible to please him, for whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes we go through places where we're not, we're not uh, we feel like, we feel, and once again, it goes back to that, we feel like, that's a lie of the devil. We feel like we're not hearing as much. I believed that lie for so many years. Um, you know, when I was 14 years old, I got saved in this really cool way. And, um, you know, I'd get up at six in the morning and have like a little church service. I'd pray and read my Bible and I'd have a little worship service and I'd look up lyrics or something and I really never remember the, I could only sing choruses of any song. I don't know any lyrics. Um, 
but uh, and I'd have like a little. That was just that was when I when I got saved. Uh, I I I met God and I wanted to know Him more. And I was like, all right, well, what do we got to do to do that? And um, you know, I didn't have any demonstrative experience where you know God opened up a TV in my ceiling. And that's kind of what I was looking for. I didn't know. I can't say a TV in my ceiling, but I was looking like, man, Shekinah Cloud, I'm showing up. I'm 14 years old. I know I'm not doing like other 14-year-olds. I deserve this. I deserve a Shekinah Cloud of glory. But I tell you what, I wasn't putting in no 12 hours. I was like, 45 minutes in the morning. (laughs) You know, I wasn't being like, all right, well, it's not happening with this 45. What else do I need to do? You know, the devil creeps in. He's like, man just not getting out what you want, what you, what you should be getting out. This is kind of a waste of time. But then, you know, you, you go through life, and then all of a sudden you, you encounter situations, and the word comes up because it's been buried there. And you're like, man, come on, Jesus. Even, even when you, you're like, man, and you, at that point you're like, hey, I haven't read the word in so many years and blah, blah, blah. And then, have, you know, me and Hilda met, she was a heathen. Yeah, we used to have a picture. I don't know where it is anymore, but she was doing a cake stand back in college. I know. Hilda. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I saw that. I'm telling you, that's a real memory. Hilda's, <laughs> Hilda's, Hilda's been saying, well, Joe messes with me. I, I, me, and, me and Joe have known each other for a long time now. And sometimes, I, in the past, I would say, I'm like, recount a story that I thought he told me. He'd be like, that never happened. I'm like, you're like gaslighting me, aren't you? You're trying to make me feel like I'm going crazy. <laughs> I'm still not sure which one's which. Let's leave that there, Joe. <laughs> I'm sure I, you know, confused something, but um, I swear I saw the picture. But you know what? Hill's been renewing her mind so much in the Word since we, since she got saved, and she barely remembers that person. That's like a totally different person. She's like, I don't even know who that is. And um, when when we got when we were dating, I, I was I wasn't I wasn't living right, <laughs> but I I knew right I was saved. I just you know I would tell people too. We'd have conversations about God at church or at work or something, and I'd be like, "This is what I believe. I'm not walking that out because because I'm 19 year old boy." But um, <laughs> and uh, you know what? I, I allow my mind to become unrenewed, and. When that's not renewed, what, what operates? The, the natural carnal man. And so when me and Hilda met, uh, you know, I wasn't l- living my life in uh, alignment with God's word. And Hilda was like raised as a Catholic, but borderline atheist because she just graduated from college, but not really committed, you know, not like, it's uh, just like, well, you know, this didn't feel real. My dad doesn't even go to church. My mom does the rosary constantly, but you know, She's crazy. So, I mean, I can't tell how much it's helped. Uh, she didn't say all that. I found all that out later. But, um, but, but you know what? In those conversations we'd have, we'd have conversations about religion. Me and Hilda had real... Man, from the, our first date, we're having deep conversations. We didn't keep it shallow, not one minute. We're have, talking about family problems and drama and all this craziness that I imagine that most people are like, oh, let's wait to get them hooked on the line before uh, we start busting that out. <laughs> and we, we didn't. It was just all on the, you know, wear the heart on the sleeve kind of, kind of people. And my, my buddy, he would always tell me, he's like, man, you can't tell girls that. You can't do this. You can't do that. I'm like, eh, you know, if I can't be myself, I'm not really interested. If, uh, if they're not interested in me, then I, I'm not interested in wasting my time. So, you know, when Hilda came around, man, I knew after the first date that was something special. I still have the, the movie ticket stubs in my wallet. The, the inks faded away, but I still got them. Because um, I knew. I knew that I'm like, eh, this, this, this could go somewhere. <laughs> got to get my brownie points. I get one for every ear that hears. Two, two per people. Um, but you know what? As we had conversations, we would we had conversations about the differences between Catholicism and Christian. You know, and well, you know, you'd say Protestantism or whatever you want to say. But you know, not, I was non-denominational or pro, uh, uh, Pentecostal, and you know, I'd be like, well, you know, this is why we don't believe in talking going to God through the priest. This is why we believe, you know, the tearing of the, of the curtain when Jesus died on the cross. And it's like, 
Oh, man, that makes sense, you know? But all those things started coming up. Before you know it, some Christian dude trying to live in sin, because it's fun. Um, having a conversation uh, ended up, we're like, oh, let's go to church. And then we went to church, and um, man, we did everything wrong, but God worked it out. We had, <laughs> I think we had joint accounts after like a couple months of dating. <laughs> we had moved in. My dad, my dad, I got in a fight with my dad, and my, uh, my dad's like, you're leaving. And uh, you know, it's funny too, the fight was so stupid. The fight was over whether, a, 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 and if anyone's struggling in this area, I apologize, a homosexual can be a Christian. And I was like, well, and you know, we're just having this like really just a theological, theological discussion between two Christians. And you'd think most dads would be like, yeah, my son's thinking, you know, and his faith is real to him. That's cool. Like, nah, get out in six months. I'm like, man, you, you're crazy, choleric. Crazy type A, man. Crazy type A. But he believed that you could not be a Christian and be a homosexual. And I was like, well, you could be a struggling homosexual. I mean, you could love Jesus and not really know how this works out. I mean, you eat too many donuts. What's the problem? <laughs> I'm like, go, go fix your problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like whenever someone says that, it's like, well, where, I mean, you're perfect. You got everything. Can, can God work through you? Imagine he can do it through someone else. And if they genuinely love him, they're walking this thing out, then I imagine that they'll come to that place. Um, or they'll, they'll shun it and try to hide it. But you know what? Some of us all, we all struggle in those areas. Um, and it's, it's a journey. God takes someone who's a homosexual and they continue to live in that life. But uh, he's working out all these other things that they can hear. I mean, are they not growing in, growing in him where they can? Um, just seems like it's something that we're all doing. We're all like, oh, I don't want to talk about that until all of a sudden God comes in with a revelation and it's, now it's, it's on the table. Um, so it was hilarious that that was what got me kicked out of the house. That conversation, I'm like, oh, you're, you're insane. <sighs> it's nice once his testosterone leveled off. <laughs> but as a result, me and Hilda were dating at the time. And um, so, you know, She's like, well, why don't you just rent the other room out? Because she had just got a house from uh, her boss. She was renting out the master bedroom, and she was renting out the other, subletting the other two bedrooms out, and she was charging more than her fair share so she could get us to, uh, <laughs> to reduce her cost, which I thought was smart. That's just smart business, man. Dude, our roommate got insanely livid over that. He found out that she was not she was not paying more than everyone else for having the master bedroom in a garage. And man, he went off the rails. I'm like, you're crazy. I'm like, you agreed to this deal. You were happy with the price. What's wrong? Psycho? He was. It was, it was crazy. For a while, we didn't say his name. He was like, he shall not be named. <laughs> it was wild. But um, we started going to church. Because that, because that word was buried in the heart. You know, it came up, started changing Hilda's life. God used it to change Hilda's life. And man, she got lit on fire, as y'all can, y'all can tell. And she has never, ever, 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 ever uh, stopped or had a cooling moment. She's, she's always like, am I reading enough, Lord? I'm like, girl, you're up till 2 o'clock working on announcements. The Lord knows you're serving him. Um, it is by faith that we believe God's word and by faith that we please God. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love the scripture. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. It goes back to what we were saying. We're, we're, we're obtaining a good testimony because we have faith in God's word. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it goes back to, I know that it, it would seem as though we've taken a rabbit trail or, or, a, or a side moat, but it's dealing with those things that prevent people from showing up. Um, something we talked about, and we'll, we'll be wrapping it up, but um, something we talked about the youth is like, you know, just, just sitting in the chair isn't showing up. You know, if you're having a conversation with your kid and they're on their phone and ignoring you and you're trying to have a serious conversation, you're like, you're sitting here, yes, credit. You are not present. So, uh, that, and that goes back to like when I'm sitting on the chair, I'm like, all right, David, stop, stop. You know, this is not home. We're not watching the Avengers, all right? You focus, focus. I'm, something I've been working on recently, last, last month or so, 
It's coming back. Is maintaining a posture. And that's not to say everyone's going to stand on there. But knowing in yourself, is, this, is, it, is it becoming something that's you're, you're taking a posture that's preventing you from receiving from God because you're taking lightly the things of God? It's like, no, we showed up and God has given our man of God a revelation to bring us a word, not that he created, but that God wants to speak through him. I mean, if God was going to show up here, I'd be like, yes, sir, what would you like to say? You know, and, and you know, is that the posture that we're taking in our hearts? That, that it's like the man of God is bringing a word and we're going to treat it like the Ark of the Covenant. We're like, all right, all right, get, you know, get, get, get ready, get ready, because there's a word. And now we're like, I don't know if that's scriptural. I'm going to have to mull that over. I'm going to have to see about that. I'm not talking about being, you know, being had by some, by some con artist, you know. Not everyone that, that says something. Sometimes pastors say you got to chew, chew on the something and, and spit out the hay. Chew on the hay and spit out the sticks. But, you know, what? We, got, we got an awesome man of God. You rarely ever have to do that with pastor. And when I, I'll be honest, I'm an opinionated person extremely opinionated, whether I say it or not. Most of the time, I don't, unless I'm in a trusted circle, because uh, I'm not interested in the fallout. I'm not interested in making someone unhappy. I'm not interested in uh, being a pariah. You know, no one wants to talk to you because now you think this or said that or do whatever. So, I mean, we all do that. We talk, we, we open up in trusted circles. Um, and some people don't, but that's because they're idiots. Um, <laughs> The Bible says a fool says everything that enters his head. Only a fool says everything that pops in his head. If you don't have the wisdom to recognize when you're about to burn a bridge, whether you're right or wrong, um, then you're an idiot. And Lord is helping us to be less of one. Um, and I have been an idiot. I have, I have, I have been like, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push this a little bit. That way, you know, because I think, I think that there's a little more availability, or I think I can. I think I can make this work. Um, and, or, you know what, just motivated by emotional feelings. You know, they hurt me, I'll hurt them. That's, that's being a fool, you know? Emotion pops up. You feel like you're vindicated to say it. And um, you just let it run out of your mouth. Me and Hilda have conversations, and sometimes Hilda will want me to, you know, say what you're feeling, say what you're feeling. You're like, well, you can't get back your words. You know, you need to make sure that uh, your words that come out, especially in a relationship, especially in a marriage, are very productive words when it comes to um, uh, constructive criticism or uh, I don't like this, uh, you know. So many people are like, you always blah, 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 blah. You're like, man, you can never get that back. I mean, is it your intention to use your words to do damage to your spouse? I mean, are you trying to hurt them? Is this your good thing? Or, I mean... You just kick it around because it's not acting the way you want it to? I'm like, no, this is, this is my good thing. If I'm going to say something because I'm not happy with something, I need to be very careful with how I say it. Because my goal is to get the end result, not to damage her along the way. And if, and if you don't, that's where people end up on the rocks at different times or, um, or end up divorced because... Because not all the time, you know, some different reasons, but sometimes it's because I, I we're husband and wife, and I need to express myself uh, naturally and organically. <laughs> I would say hippie like, but you know what? You, we need to we need to be wise enough to recognize that. And Bible says, life and death, power of the tongue. Life and death, are we speaking life? You can, you can say something constructively and say, I would prefer it if you did this instead of, you always do this and you don't take care of me and blah, 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 and you don't care about it and all you care about is yourself and blah, blah, you know, everyone feels that way in the moment, but that's because we're selfish. Whenever we think, uh, you don't do this, it's because we're like only thinking about what we want. And, and it's only fair that most people think that way. So you're like, well, my spouse doesn't think that way. So, or they don't want to think selfishly. So I need to let them know in a respectful, loving way that, um, you know, I would prefer this, or I don't want to do that, or whatever, blah, 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 blah. 
Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Um, be wise. Be wise. Awesome. That's what I have. Show up. That's my, that's my message. And it's been all over the place, but it's intended to, it drifts. It goes into those things. It's like a root of a tree. Uh, you know, you can see it go out, and you see the big ones, the little tiny roots, and they break up little rocks. It, you know, the things of God affect every area of our lives. Um, it doesn't, it's not a, a formulaic pattern that says this is a model that you can imprint on one thing. Uh, it flows into all those things. Um, so, you know, exa- examine ourselves. I need to examine myself. Lord, where do I need to show up? Where am I not showing up? So, so that I can, so I can have opportunities to get before you, to um, put my face before the mirror of your word so that I can be transformed into the image of your son uh, per degree, like the Amplified said, from glory to glory. And the more opportunities that we show up, the more opportunities that God has to transform us into that image. Praise Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you. I pray that your word was ministered and that, that it, it spoke to all of our hearts, Father. I pray that you would continue to help us to meditate and to mull it over and to chew it up and to examine the things in our lives that uh, you would have us to do differently in order, in order to show up, in order to encounter your presence. I know every single day, every moment of the day, it's your desire for us to encounter your presence, for us to come to church ready to receive the word that you prepared for us uh, and so I pray that, uh, that you would help all of us to, to examine those areas where we need to change our posture, t- change the way we lean into your word, change the way we lean into service, change our attitude towards service, uh, change our attitude towards spending time in your word with, um, in prayer and in, and in worship to you, Father. And I thank you for it right now, Lord. I pray for protection over everyone as we go home tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.